This is Arab Talk on KPOO 89.5 FM in San Francisco. This is Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. I'm Jess Khanam. And I'm Jamal Dejani. Jamal, we have ongoing breaking news from Palestine, obviously, as our viewers and listeners know that Israeli aggression has been out of control since the Eid, and we, we, we wish our Muslim brothers and sisters Eid Mubarak, but juxtaposed with that has been a reign of Israeli terror and terrorism on Palestinian civilians in Gaza, Jerusalem, and the West Bank. It, we have a death toll now, uh, Jamal, of over 83 Palestinians, including women and children. We have a catastrophic situation in Gaza right now with 16, oh, we don't know how many airstrikes. We'll get to that. I know you have the exact number of airstrikes, but people are living under extreme terror and the terrorism of Israeli military excursions on Palestinian civilians. This all started, Jamal, when Palestinians were resisting the ethnic cleansing in East Jerusalem, and things have been escalating to the point where we are now. And people are saying this is the worst violence being committed against civilian Palestinians since 2014. You're absolutely right. And again, uh, I wish uh, everyone a happy Eid. And uh, sadly, just as we are speaking, the uh, number of people killed due to the relentless aerial bombardment by Israel, according to Gaza's health, health ministry, is, stands now at 87, and including 18 children Yes. And more than 530 wounded, maybe the number is, is much uh, higher. And so uh, I was watching earlier and uh, uh, President Biden called for a de-escalation of violence in the Middle East, what saying that he wants to see a significant reduction in rocket attacks. No mention about the... Israeli Kahanists and others marching in the streets, chanting death to Arabs. No mention of the slaughter of uh, 18 Palestinian children, but he says he wants to see the number of rockets he significantly also said, reduced. I mean, right. He what also kind of said, Jamal, is this? It's, it's insulting, and we're, we're going to talk about that on the other side. Joe Biden said that Israel has a right to defend itself. That's the only thing he would say. But when is the world, when is the United States going to say that Palestinians have a right to defend themselves against Israeli aggression and terror that is being rained down on them? You even had the prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, to tell you how bad it is, uh, Kahanis gangs, Israeli Kahanis gangs are looking for Arabs, Palestinians who have Israeli citizenship and trying to lynch them. There were That's multiple right. attempted lynchings of Palestinians with Israeli citizenship uh, in the last number of days. But we hear nothing from the Biden administration. We have a fantastic interview with Professor Rabab Abdelhadi from San Francisco State that you did. And she's going to draw the line from 1948 to 1967 through the Intifada, through 2009, 2011, and 2014, Jamal. And will give us a great historical perspective of where we are today. 
That's right. Let's uh, watch Dr. Rabab Abdul Hadi. Since the beginning of the Muslim holy month of Ramadan in mid-April, the international community has witnessed Israel's forced expulsion of Palestinian families from their homes in East Jerusalem's Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood and attacks on the Al-Aqsa Mosque compound in Jerusalem. Israel also carried out hundreds of airstrikes in Gaza, killing more than 50 people, including at least 14 children, as Hamas and Islamic Jihad fighters fired hundreds of rockets at central Israel and its south. The U.S. has condemned the firing of rockets by Hamas, but not the forced evictions in Sheikh Jarrah or the attacks on Al-Aqsa or the killing of civilians and children in Gaza. Joining us to discuss this and more, Dr. Rabab Abdul Hadi, Director of Ahmed Studies at San Francisco State University. Welcome again to Arab Talk, uh, Dr. Abdul Hadi. Thank you for having me, Jamal. It's a pleasure to be here. So explain to us, is the international community going to remain silent, especially after Israel has been classified as an apartheid state by Human Rights, by Human Rights Watch and its own human rights organization, uh, Beth Salem. Yes, uh, thank you, Jamal. Well, let me just maybe start from the end and say that uh, what Human Rights Watch and what Beth Salem, the Israeli um, human rights organization, have documented is something that have Palestinians have been speaking about for a very long time. And Palestinian human rights organization, Al-Haq, Adala, Badir, multiple organizations have documented over years, as well as Many delegations from physicians, from uh, jurists, women, uh, students, uh, church people, uh, Jewish community, and so on, have actually gone and seen to Palestine and have come back. And we're only talking about bare facts. We're not even talking about how people are feeling about it. What does it mean to be continuously colonized for, for, for going to be over 73 years as of Saturday? Now, the international community, I think we can divide the response into multiple levels. There is one about the official governments which, within which the United States government is included, the European, uh, the uh, multiple countries in Asia, Africa, Latin America, and so on and so forth. But also there is a very, very, what I am, I, I think the international community, the official position is leaves a lot to be desired. It is not sufficient what they are saying. It's not sufficient, definitely, it's not with the US, which I think we may want to talk a little bit more about. But I think there is a responsibility for the official international community, United Nations, international bodies. They have a responsibility actually to respond seriously to the violation of Palestinian rights, to Israel being an apartheid state, to the settlements, to the expansion, to the killing, to the racial violence, to all the vi violations day in and day out that Israel is committing because it was the international community that legitimized the colonization of Palestine, first by its uh, partition plan in 1947, uh, United Nations partition, then by recognizing the state of Israel, and then by always issuing very timid responses about what's going on, instead of actually saying, look, we're going to hold Israel accountable like any other country. And that's what Palestinians are asking for. They're not asking for more. If the United, if United Nations and the International Committee moves in just to uphold what international law speaks about, what human rights law speaks about, Israel would have become today faster than yesterday exactly the pariah state that South Africa has become in the 80s. 
So when Palestinians resist, uh, uh, the United States uh, criticize them. Uh, when they march in the streets, they don't say anything. Uh, they keep saying, go back to the negotiating uh, table. Why are Palestinians, I mean, this is a question, why are Palestinians now going out in the streets? I mean, this is a big question. And uh, is this another intifada? Uh, or for, for those who don't know, maybe you should also explain what is an intifada. So let me say what is an intifada. It's a very uh, subject very dear to my heart. Intifada is a popular uprising. And it is uh, the name that stuck from 1987, December 7, 1987, when Palestinians rose, uh, prefer primarily first in the West Bank, Jerusalem and Gaza, and then it was engulfed the, all the Palestinian uh, community. And it lasted for five years until 1993, when we found out that there were secret dealings. Uh, in Oslo between the Palestinian, part of the Palestinian leadership and the Israeli government. And it was blessed by the United States government. However, let's go back to the Intifada itself. The Intifada, the popular uprising, actually in included almost every sector in Palestinian society. It was children getting out and throwing stones. And actually part of the reason, I think it's really important to say that, part of the reason the children were on the street is because Israel closed schools high schools, universities, all academic institutions, and prevented uh, children and students from going to school. Women were participating, were organizing something called the United Higher Council of Women, in which actually the, the Intifada is one of the few countries that uh, Palestine is now recognized International Women's Day as a holiday, paid holiday for women. Uh, the Intifada included uh, multiple layers of workers, Palestinian workers who work within, within Palestinian businesses, private businesses, and also who work for Israeli businesses. And, uh, well, there is no official. And some, some of them will be, like, for the municipalities and so on and so forth. Also, that ended up recognizing May Day as a paid holiday for Palestine. So this was an amazing uprising. It's actually called the... the some people call it the first intifada. I prefer to call it the intifada of the stone because there have been multiple intifadas by the Palestinian people. 1987 was not the first one. This was the one where the name stuck. So, and then there was the second one they called the second intifada. I prefer to call it Aqsa Intifada in 2000. When something similar to what happened today happened in 2000, in May 28, 2000, when Ariel Sharon, who was uh, quote-unquote defense minister of Israel, actually went to the Aqsa Mosque, invaded the Aqsa Mosque with almost with, with thousands of Israeli soldiers, with dogs, with shoes, and so on. And it was people rose up. Now, this is the, the, the question is that it is not just the fact that Sharon went to, to the Aqsa Mosque or in 1987, an Israeli truck, army truck, bumped into Palestinian pickup truck, killing for Palestinians, that was actually an accident. At that time, it was a road accident. It wasn't this sort of like the, the straw that broke the, cam the camel's back. It was actually accumulation. Accumulation, years and years and days of accumulation, of humiliation, of indignities, of uh, being uh, stopped at the checkpoint, of being delayed, of uh, children getting killed by Israeli soldiers, of people's homes being destroyed, of more land being confiscated not only in the Palestinian lands occupied in 1967, but in Palestinian lands occupied in 1948 from Palestinians who are citizens of the state of Israel, where Israel takes the Palestinian land and actually turns this over to what is called the Jewish National Fund, supposed to be a quasi-state agency, Israeli agency, which means it's supposed to represent the Jews of the world, even though a lot of the Jews don't like to be represented, 
either by Israel or by the Jewish National Fund. But they take them, I bet, more illegitimate colonies, settlements on the land of Palestinians. So this has been going on again and again. Water, people don't get access to water, to healthy water, don't get access to uh, healthcare services, don't get access to their own orchard, to their own olive trees. If we talk about the Jamal, I don't think we even have enough time to actually go into the multiple, multiple, multiple ways in which Palestinian life, Palestinian life in itself is being violated every single day. And the Israeli, Israeli settler colonial project, the Zionist settler colonial project, is trying to erase Palestinians from the face of the earth of the existence. And so the most recent thing that's going on, I'm really hoping it would turn into, it definitely resembles an intifada, but there are many things that we would say it would require for it to continue the way it continued. Well, here is uh, something uh, very interesting mm -hmm. this time. We are seeing now uh, Palestinians from what we refer to as 1948 Palestinians in Akka, in Haifa, yeah. in Lid, in Ramla, uh, marching in the streets. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's totally yeah. different. I mean, they supported their brothers and sisters in, in East Jerusalem and in the West Bank before, but now they're taking action. I've uh, been watching Israeli television, monitoring Israeli television, and these Palestinians right in the middle of their towns and villages, they are flying the Palestinian flag. They are flying the Palestinian yes. flag. And this, this is, is and after 17 plus because, years yeah, yeah. of living under Israeli yes. oppression. Not only that, but from 1948 to 1966, Israel imposed martial law on Palestinian, the Palestinians in Israel that Israel calls equal citizen. And we know they're not equal they're not even separate and equal. There, there is no, there is complete, complete lack of equality, complete apartheid system, complete settler colonial system. And this has also happened during the Israeli elections. And when Israel was saying, the, 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 the various Israeli Zionist states were saying, we're going to solve the problem of Palestinian social problems and so on. And so Palestinians actually went into the streets in Nimil Fahim, in Sakhnin, in Haifa, in Lid, in Yafa, everywhere, everywhere, and protested and hanged thousands of Palestinian flags and said, no, actually the Israeli state is very much colluding with the, the, the crime in the Palestinian communities and so on, because they're the ones who allow guns. No, no other, nobody is allowed guns in the Palestinian 48 areas, except those who are sanctioned by the Israeli state by the Israeli police, by the Israeli government, by the Israeli border police, by the intelligence, whether it is Shembet, Mukhabarat, and so on. Now, this is the second time, this is not the second, second time around, we hear it recently, because also during the Aqsa Antifada, if you remember, 13 Palestinians fell martyred October 13th when they protested and Israel went and actually killed Palestinians in the 48 areas. This is, the, the, but what's really interesting is that it's accumulating. It's cumulative more and more and more. Now, it's very interesting because the U.S. so-called liberal press, let's say the mainstream, the dominant press, the pro-Israel press, keeps referring to Palestinians as the Arabs of Israel or Israeli Arabs. And then, and, and it's a part of it is confusing, is to confuse people to say, who are these Arabs? Who are the Palestinians? What's going on? Because they also don't want to talk about Nakba that happened in 1948 with uh, three-quarter million of Palestinians at least were were displaced and then the others were uh, subject to martial law. But also, they don't. They want to call them the Arabs of Israel, as if Israel is the original thing that is there, and the Palestinians are the Arabs are an addition, and they are the indigenous people of the land. Now, what they are showing with the flags that they are raising, with the protests, 
with what's going on, they are showing that there is, despite 73 years and over 100 years of colonialism, there and, and attempts to, to, to segment the Palestinian people and say, oh, this is these people, these people, and these people. There is something called the, 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 the unity in Palestinianness in a project that's about resistance, about dignity, about freedom, about self-determination. So I think this is what's going on in the 48 areas. But I also want to say that the repression, Jamal, the repression that is going on is unbelievable. I mean, the ways in which there is, they, they impose, actually, the Israeli government imposed martial law on the Palestinian uh, Palestinians in Lid. And this is, this has been, this is a village, this is a city that has completely evacuated. Now they say to it in the press, mixed city. Why is it mixed city? Because you actually kicked out the Palestinians. The Palestinians from their home destroyed their homes and replaced them with settlers. Ashkenazi, uh, European, Mizrahi, Jewish settlers, Jewish colonists, they replaced the Palestinian homes and so on. And I, I've, I've, I've had the honor and, the, and the, the pain, actually, to go to on multiple delegations to Lid and visit with the Palestinian people in Lid and visit the, the neighborhood and visit the communities and hear what was what has been going on. And maybe another time we can talk about this in more details. I don't think we have enough time during the interview today. Well, uh, Dr. Abdelhadi, as we're speaking, I mean, Gaza is getting bombed. Uh, yes. It's, there is a massacre going on in Gaza. Uh, entire buildings, eight stories, nine stories, ten stories, are turned into rubble, uh, totally destroyed, killing a lot of people, making uh, hundreds of people homeless. I mean, we've seen this before, uh, you know, in several Israeli attacks. And yet, uh, there is a narrative now in the media trying to blame the people in Gaza, trying to blame Hamas and Islamic mm. Jihad for shooting uh, rockets uh, targeting Israel. I mean, uh, I watch, I'm sure you watch this, the spokesperson for the State Department when he was asked, do Palestinians have the right to, re to for self-defense? He couldn't answer this. He, he said yeah. that only Israel has the right for, to self-defense. But he couldn't answer if Palestinians had a similar right when he was asked to condemn the killing of children uh, in Gaza and elsewhere. He also couldn't answer this. I mean, is this the game we're going to keep, keep uh, no, playing also, in the media? Yeah, and also when and also when when he was asked to comment on Ilhan Omar's tweet saying that this is uh, that that, that I, what was it? I think she said upper side referred to Israel as apartheid Israel, and he said, that's not our policy. That's not how we understand it. Uh, the question is, I think, maybe start from the end, they said, how do you understand it then? How does the State Department, how does the United States understand it? That's one thing. Secondly, is that the whole uh, attempt is to shield Israel again. The attempt to, to cover Israeli colonialism, racism and apartheid and violence, extreme racialized violence, against Palestinians to make it a both sound that it's equal parts and there is no symmetry in between the two. There is even no, no symmetry in the weapons. I mean, if you want to even start there, there has never been. Two is that uh, the, 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 this has happened, by the way, multiple times. We're, we're today the last day of Ramadan and this has happened multiple times before, actually bombing during the holy month of Ramadan. 2014 uh, war, a massacre in Gaza also, Israeli massacre was during Ramadan and so on. And this is also defies, and people don't really don't understand, don't think about it, that uh, this is also part of the Islamophobic attack and the lack of respect for any sanctity of religious 
uh, occasions of, 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 of fasting, of uh, um, Islam as a religion, completely. Uh, three is that they are, they're trying to say that, oh, you know, Hamas uh, sent in Israel has to protect itself. I think it's really, really important to unpack this, this, uh, this falsehood because the, 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 the question is that if anybody needs safety and security, it's the Palestinians. It's the Palestinian people, the Palestinian community in Sheikh Jarrah who, that is being targeted every single day not only by the settlers who are occupying their homes, and we've also visited Sheikh Jarrah multiple times and throw feces and urine and, and, and garbage and let their dogs attack. I mean, uh, Muhammad al-Kurd now is being interviewed a lot. His father, Nabil, told us on many occasions that he was attacked by an Israeli, by the dog, by the settlers, and he actually had to end up in the hospital as well. Um, Nabil al-Kurd, his grandmother, who passed away at the age of 103 not long ago, uh, may, may, may she rest in peace and power, also has been attacked herself, an elderly woman who has been attacked and beaten by these thugs. That, that's who's, don't they need security? The young people who were uh, every single night coming to express solidarity with the people of Sheikh Jarrah to break their fasts together and, and just hang out, they were also attacked. The Palestinians in Al-Aqsa Mosque who were going to pray were prevented. Palestinians from the 48 areas who wanted to go to stop to, to, to the Aqsa Mosque, Israel blocks the roads. And then, and I think this is one of the things that we can also talk about, is this an intifada, maybe revisit that question, the solidarity that Palestinian drivers from Jerusalem went, blocked the roads, went in the opposite way and took the people who were walking to get to the Aqsa and drove them there. And this is, by the way, something we saw in the 1987 intifada, something we saw in 1936-39, something we saw in Aqsa Antifada, the solidarity and the support people have. And I also don't want to say it's only limited to Palestinians because we're saying the word, and this is different from the official international community, on a grassroots level, the word. Uh, yesterday or the day, do the, 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 I've seen tweets from Omanis against normalization, from uh, Emiratis against normalization, from Moroccans against normalization. This is only in the Arab world. We've seen demonstrations around the world. Yesterday, I participated in a protest in New York City that I'm, I haven't even posted the, the pictures yet, but everybody from the Philippines, from Colombia, from the African-American community in the United States, from uh, Jewish activists, I mean, everybody was there because the world has had it. The well, you're talking about uh, New York City. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, but you, you reminded me oh, of fine. Andrew Yang a former presidential yes. candidate now running uh, for mayor in New York City, he tweeted that he is standing by the people of Israel at a time when Palestinians are getting, as, you, as we've been talking about, getting evicted from their homes, slaughtered uh, in, in Gaza. Mm -hmm. This reminded me of San Francisco State University's uh, former President Wong, who said that Zionists were welcome on campus and apologized for the expulsion of the former mayor of occupied Jerusalem near Barkat, who urged uh, Jewish extremists to carry weapons uh, in the city. Did you see the parallel uh, in this? I actually saw a lot of parallels. Um, and let me, yes, uh, definitely. Let me say one, one of the parallels before I even get to former President uh, Wong. Let me talk about the current president of San Francisco State. Uh, there has been multiple statements by the Israeli government that says that what's happening in Sheikh Jarrah is simply a private real estate deal. 
And every single time I saw private, I was reminded by the statement of San Francisco State President Elin Mahoney, who said that Zoom had the right to censor us and shut down our open classroom. Our classroom has veto power over our curriculum. She understands it because Zoom is a private company. And so every single time I see this private, it, it reminds him kind of like, you guys are completely mixing the truth and not actually thinking about what's going on. What happened with the, with San Francisco State, and actually there is a lot of parallels too, because uh, the the uh, Nir Barakat, yes, he was he was the former mayor of occupied Jerusalem, uh, racist to the core. He was seen in multiple videos slinging a, a machine gun and calling for the death of Arabs. Actually, in Babel Amud, where uh, Israeli police attacked multiple Palestinian youth and then put barricades and then the youth themselves protested and actually removed the barricades so she could hang out in the old city as an outing for them during the nights of Ramadan as people do everywhere and everybody knows that. Uh, but uh, near Barakat and now the, the vice mayor of, Jer of the Jerusalem and multiple members of the Israeli uh, municipal uh, city uh, council of Jerusalem have also spoke yes, we actually do want to expel the Palestinians. And, and parliament members, members of the Knesset. Yes, but I'm, um, you know, we're talking about the near Barakat. So I'm talking about kind of like the same administration. And near Barakat administration policy was to to uh, cleanse, well, they call cleanse, I don't like that, that, that term, to remove the Palestinians, reduce the number of Palestinians in Jerusalem from like 38% to 8%. They had the design of it. Unfortunately, the president of San Francisco State, the former president, not only when, when the Zionists tried to bring near Barakat, and who was in San Francisco, by the way, to raise money for APAC, for the Israeli lobby, American-Israel Public Affairs uh, Committee, it was officially, and they tried to bring him to San Francisco State, and students protested. It was multiple students, students from all sorts of backgrounds, went and protested uh, this racist coming to San Francisco State and pretending that he's going to want to build, very interesting, because he they, were, they built him as trying to bring the Israel tech know-how. It's, I mean, there's so many parallels because we also know that we are being criminalized now and policed by, by tech companies and punished by private tech companies. So he was trying to bring the know-how, which we know a lot of Israeli technological know-how comes out of the serving in the military and going to actually in computer engineering. And so it also speaks to this Israel claim that it has no security when it's actually constantly, constantly trying to cyber attack everybody constantly. Their act IL, which is an app developed by the Israeli Ministry of Strategic Affairs, sent brag that they sent 19,000 uh, messages to Zoom, Facebook, and YouTube to censor, to shut down our, our classroom. Same thing they've done now with the, with the event we, were, we spoke, la I think last week or the week before, with Professor Sean Malloy from UC Merced. I mean, this is very clear. There is a very clear connection between San Francisco State Silicon Valley, Israeli politician, and Zionism. I mean, the whole question that we've spoken again and again. And let me remind you, Jamal, that the Palestinian students were punished by the San Francisco State University president. They punished them. They actually singled them out. And they said, you're only the only ones who protest against Nir Baraka. And the Palestinian students said, you are a racist, because actually there were students from all sorts of backgrounds that came and protested. Then when President uh, Wong said, Zionists are welcome, and I, and I contested him. They said that I'm actually asking for a war against Jews. And I said, actually, I spoke about our Jewish sisters and brothers who, for whom Zionism does not speak and Israel does not speak. And I find this offensive. And the, the, the Jewish students 
uh, also protested and formed a new group called Jews Against Zionism. Then we were sued, if you remember. The Lawfare, Law, uh, Lawfare Project sued us with 77 pages, with over almost 1,000 uh, lawyers uh, representing them and so on. And they lost big time. Judge Oreck dismissed the lawsuit with prejudice. And this is on the basis of which I was, I was actually attacked, that I'm, I'm advisor to the Palestinian students and so on. All of this stuff turns out to be completely, completely falsehood. Nonetheless, San Francisco State President, actually, even after he turned, he realized, and we told him that this guy is like a war criminal. He wrote him a letter, apologized to him, and re-invited him back to campus. Re-invited him back to campus and punished the students and also SFSU instituted the same way what Israel is doing of instituting more mechanisms to, 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 to curtail the Palestinians, to remove Palestinians from their land, to remove the land accessible to Palestinians. San Francisco State did the same thing. I mean, they issued a decree that you can't have sounds, human voices, louder than 75 decibels. I mean, it makes us laugh to what, you know, length do people who want to suppress the truth and want to suppress the voices of people wanting to have their self-determination, no more, nor less, will go. And so it is actually quite... Uh, troubling and it's uh, and I think you know with Andrew Young is out to lunch I think he does not really understand what's going on by contrast there is number rising number of people more and more and more who are speaking up who are in support who are speaking up and the part of the reason people are speaking up because Palestinians in Sheikh Jarrah Palestinians in the Aqsa Mosque Palestinians in Gaza in Lid in Sakhnin in Ramle in, in Haifa in Yafa in Nazareth everywhere Palestinians are standing up and saying no no, no, A, we're not, we don't forget. We don't forget the Nakba. And no, we're not going to give up our rights. We're going to stand up. We're going to call on the whole world. We're calling on the world to support us. And the world is saying, yes, we support you. Some people, as usual, join you come lately. The United States government did the same thing during apartheid. Yeah, go ahead. Despite, uh, I mean, despite uh, Andrew Yang's uh, statement, of course, he was criticized by, by uh, AOC, and, and, and others, and he tried to, to backtrack it. But that's a different story. But I want to talk about the solidarity because you're absolutely right. You were yesterday, yes. you said, at a, at a demonstration in New York City, and you see more and more diverse groups standing with the Palestinians, including, I mean, I see more and more of uh, Jewish Voice for Peace presence and uh, uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters who are uh, now more active uh, than ever, basically, in, in, in yes. trying to denounce what Israel has been doing and saying for the very first time that Israel is an apartheid state, which is, I think, it's very big. Yes, I think, I think it's really, really important, the acknowledgement, not only that uh, Israel as an apartheid state, if we want to only talk about Jewish Force for Peace, for example, they did two years ago about 10, 10 months, 10 months or maybe two years discussion on Zionism, and they came out with a position against Zionism. This is really important because Zionism and, and Israel claim to speak for all the Jews of the world. And they say that anybody who's anti-Zionist or who criticizes the state of Israel is anti-Semitic. And these steps by Jewish Voice for Peace, by the International Jewish Anti-Zionist Network, by If Not Now, by multiple people historically. I mean, we know many people in Israel from uh, Professor Israel Shahak to Felicia Langer to Liat Samel. I mean, how many people, the Israeli Knesset member who was beaten up 
by the by the Israeli police. And then yeah, two days ago, he was he was already in in Jerusalem, back at Sheikh Jarrah with other with other members of Knesset. And this is and the thing is very interesting because also the Israeli and Zionist dominant discourse tries to disappear that try to say the Jews and the Arabs. The Palestinians and the Jews, the Muslims and the Jews. It's very, very interesting. And I think, and I let me just speak about the last point. It's kind of like the Muslims and the Jews, complete erasure of Palestinian Christians. Not only forgetting that actually Jesus Christ was born in Palestine and that we have a thriving Palestinian community, but also many of the Palestinian leaders, including, for example, Dr. George Habash, whose family's home was erased from Lid. There used to be the home was there. And then I think when we went last time in 2018, it was destroyed completely. There used to be a sign. And one of the younger people said, oh, there used to be a sign, but a lot of people came. And at the time, if you remember, during the first intifada, the Jewish woman who was living in his home wrote him a letter of apology, talking about what has happened and so on and so forth. But there are, Edward Said also. I mean, there is, we have multiple Palestinian Christians that are completely erased, completely erased of And the reason for that is to make it sound as if it's Muslims against Jews in order to trigger the Islamophobic discourse. It is also an attempt to say Jews in order to dissolve any kind, to disappear any kind of differences against Jews, while there are growing numbers, including younger Jews who are opposing Zionism, opposing Israel, calling it an Israeli apartheid state. But also the stuff I saw yesterday, and I'm not sure, I mean, I saw young people carrying Philippine for Palestine. I saw young people carrying the flag of Colombia. I saw a number of African-Americans from different groups, different, some people were actually um, uh, black Muslims. Some people were with the Nation of Islam. Some people were with Malcolm X grassroots movement. There were so many groups. Literally, Jamal, I couldn't even have the time to go around to document everything, young, old, women, men, hetero, uh, uh, queer, um, people who are older, people who are on, on uh, wheelchairs, uh, people who, like, there was a young man, man, a guy who was wearing a T-shirt occupation. I said, can I take a picture? And he said, you know, I'm Veterans for Peace. I said, he has been active from eight, the 80s. I said, well, I was at the rally for Mamiya Abu Jamal two weeks ago in Philadelphia. He said, yeah, I was carrying the, the Veterans for Peace sign. There were so many people in so many walks of life. This is, it's, it's, it's an international movement. It's a grassroots worldwide movement. And, and one of the things I think it's really important is that you remember when uh, Trump was trying to, to do the, the sale of Palestine in the Bahrain workshop? when he and Jared Kirshner were trying to do it, and then they said about the deal of the century, and then they came out and said, oh, the world has forgotten about Palestine and so on. Every single time, every single time, events come up and show Palestinian resistance. I mean, there is resistance every single day, but sometimes it gets so big that it draws the attention of the world. And the world response, I would really like for some of these journalists who keep saying this from the New York Times, especially New York Times and the, the main CNN and whatever and so on, to acknowledge once, just say we made a mistake, just be transparent and say, ha, huh, actually it is not really true that this was, you know, remember how much they hailed the deal of the century? Today, mm-hmm. New York Times had a huge uh, analysis about uh, the Biden administration and said, oh, this was so pro-Israel and it was failing. But at the time you were hailing it as something that is possible that could work. The thing is, is that nothing is going to work. Nothing is going to work unless it addresses the legitimate rights of the Palestinian people. 
Palestinian people simply, simply, again, just for people who do not know, you and I know, they, what do they want? What do Palestinians want? They want to have life in dignity. They want to have life in, in freedom. They want to be able to have roof over their heads. They don't want to be afraid from their homes being demolished. They want to be able to go to their olive orchards and pick up the olives without having the settlers stealing them or burning the fields or pulling the... They want to return. People want to be able, they hold on to the keys again and again and again. And this is something that... This is a people that will not die. This is a people that will live. And this people continues resisting and the world responds. And I think... For me, this is the message today. It's it's horrible what's going on in Gaza for the fourth, fifth time and so on. And it's not the fault. And you cannot blame the victim. You cannot just say, oh, you're the victim. You, I'm going to attack you. I'm going to beat you up. But you cannot even stand up for your right. When every single, the terms of battle, the, the timing, the, the, the weapons, everything is actually dictated by the oppressive, by a very oppressive colonial racist uh, 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 apartheid state. Apartheid Israel. You, you. If people want this to stop, they need to pressure Israel. They need to hold Israel accountable. The least people can do is support BDS, boycott, divestment, action. That's the least that they can do. It's an international instrument. It is something that works in the case of uh, apartheid South Africa. It can. It works. It would work in the in the case of Palestine. It only requires from people in power to respond to the calls from the grassroots. Whether we talk about the United Nations, whether we talk about Washington, whether we talk about, but we are seeing that we're seeing increasing number of Congress people and lawmakers who are endorsing the Betty McCollum bill about children, who are uh, criticizing Israel, who are actually calling it what it is. Palestinian people are, are standing with their bodies. They're being steadfast with their bodies, with their lives, with their blood. It is really up to the world to respond. And I see the word responding. It's very gratifying. And I just want to say that this is something that we, we teach about. This is something that we teach about. We teach about uh, uh, in, in, a, in a framework of justice-centered knowledge in the Ahmed's this program. And this is what we want people to be able to see. They can decide at the end of the day, and I do have students who end up being Zionists at the end of the semester. That's their choice. But we want to be able to provide this information to people. We want to be able to provide this analysis. We want to be, be, have people understand that Palestinians rising, it's in the spirit, similar spirit, to the black uprising for black lives, to the uprising by indigenous people against this, uh, against the DayPal, to the people rising up in South Africa, in Colombia, anywhere around the world. I mean, I think it's really, really important for people to understand that, see the parallels, and, and continue learning and understanding about all these expressions of solidarity. Dr. Rabab Abdelhadi, thank you for coming on Arab Talk. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. That's the voice of uh, Professor Rabab Abdelhadi, professor at San Francisco State University and uh, director and founder of the Ahmed program at uh, San Francisco State. You know, Jamal, it's so painful to watch the mainstream media in the United States for failing to take into consideration the historical context and the direct line from Israeli oppression, occupation, and ethnic cleansing beginning in 1948 to where we are today. There is an unbroken line of Israeli aggression and apartheid that, that, you know, that began even before 1948 that brings us today, but that context is never articulated in the media today. It's never, and, and it's kind of, uh, 
you're on right on cue just to say this because I actually had a quote I was watching, uh, and this is I've, I've translated from an interview on uh, uh, one of the uh, Arab networks uh, covering uh, the region, and and there is a Palestinian resident of Haifa. Uh, she was uh, interviewed. Just to put that in context, Palestinian residents of Haifa are also Israeli citizens. Those are what we call Palestinians of 1948, the Palestinians who were not, who did not leave, who stayed and then uh, stayed, and now they are uh, uh, Israeli citizens. And she said, because they keep uh, talking about this kind of like, oh, there is a conflict between Palestinians and Israeli or between Arabs and Jews or trying to equate kind of like what's going on. And he and she said, and I translated this uh, and, and I'm quoting, she said, we need to set the record straight on something. And, and that really, this is not a civil war because some media networks will say, oh, there is a civil war going. We Palestinians in so-called Israel are a colonized people. I mean, she hit the nail on nail the head. on the head. Exactly. They're saying, oh, there is a civil war going on between no. Arabs and Jews or, you know. No. No. I mean, these guys up till nine, and this is actually uh, Dr. Rabab Abdelhadi, she'll tell you since, from 1948 to 1966, Palestinians in 1940, they couldn't even travel from a town to another or a village That's to another right. without a special permission from the Israeli military. So they have not been recognized as Israeli citizens, really till after 1966, and you know, they are whatever, second, third, fourth class Marginalized, Jamal, they're marginalized. Yeah, so. And, and not only are they marginalized, but uh, these, they're forced to kind of participate in this grand delusion of equal citizenship. If you have Israeli citizenship and you happen to be Palestinian, which is a big joke, because, you know, when we say the word apartheid Israel, you know, it has a particular meaning, and that meaning is unequal treatment for so-called equal citizens, and Palestinians are not treated as equal citizens. And you have these Kahanist gangs, these right-wing extremists in Israel who try to lynch their own citizens, Jamal. So what does that remind you of, a lynching occurring in you know, this is something policy. I'm going to say, and might not be popular, but what I saw on TV, and these are reports not uh, from Palestinian TV, uh, some from Al Jazeera, but actually the vast majority of those videos that I've seen were either on Channel 10 or Channel 12. Those are Israeli TV networks with mobs marching in Jaffa and Haifa and Batyam and other places lynching uh, Palestinians, stopping uh, people while driving, checking to see if it's a Palestinian in the car, That's marking right. homes of Palestinians in Haifa so they come back, like, like identifying to, the, to, the, to their thugs, basically to come back at night. They're putting a check, a mark, like this is a Jewish home, this is a Palestinian home, so you could come and terrorize them in, in the evening. Breaking the glass... And I'm going to say the word, this is like crystal knocked. This is, this oh, was to me, I, what I've seen on TV, what I've seen in the movies, what I've read about crystal knocked when uh, Nazi, the Nazis went breaking the businesses of, of Jewish owners. This is what they were doing. They were trying to emulate this with the Israeli police, Jess, 
watching. Standing by, right. And, and in many cases, even helping them. In many cases, when they were beating, there was a video where they beat up this Palestinian uh, poor guy. I forgot if it was Jaffa or Haifa or Akka. I'm getting confused with all these videos. To a pulp. And he was unconscious. I don't know if even he survived it. And the police uh, participated in this. Okay, that's right, Jamal. And then, and then also, we we've seen them in Jerusalem when uh, settlers were running over Palestinians, and then Palestinians wanted to react and basically go after the driver who deliberately ran to kill Palestinians. Policemen were protecting them. So That's this right. is what you're talking about, this real apartheid, because we make it very clear, because some people try to confuse, well, in the West Bank, it's an occupation. Uh, you know, yes, there are Jewish-only roads for the settlers, but the settlers are Israeli citizens, and, and then the Palestinians, they fall, you know, under uh, the so-called Palestinian authority. But these things were happening in Jaffa. Jaffa Haifa. is part of Tel Aviv. Now. It's an extension of Tel Aviv. That's right. They're happening in, in Haifa. Uh, they, they refer to it as a mixed city. Akka. They refer to it as a mixed city. And so on and so on and so on. And to th this morning I've done an interview uh, with, with another network. And the question was about, is this something uh, temporary, what you're seeing? Or I said, no, this is a very dangerous. Why is it dangerous? Because politicians starting with Knesset members and ministers, wherever, they're encouraging them. And if they're going to encourage right. them, that's what's going to happen. It's not going to stop. Not only that, Jamal, I mean, you're exactly right. The ministers are not stopping them. The ministers and the information coming from the Israeli government, from its leadership, are actually encouraging it. You see the, the power of the state being used to, you know, extend the apartheid practices in addition to the ethnic cleansing of, of Palestinians. So my question to Joe Biden, my question to the people in the House and the Senate who are all falling all over themselves to say that Israel has a right to defend themselves, when are Palestinians going to be afforded the right under international law, under morality, under you know every standard, the right not to be ethnically cleansed? the right to defend themselves against ethnic cleansing, the right to defend themselves against the reign of terror that is the Israeli military and their F-16s, which are American weapons, are raining down on the people of Gaza. How, what do they want? Do they, do they expect that Palestinians, Jamal, will accept being slaughtered? What, what's the message here? Well, just, I mean, the writing is on the wall. This is, we're not talking about, okay, the year 2021. This has been ongoing since 1948, and that's why, uh, you know, when somebody is ignorant about the whole Palestinian Nakba situation, I always tell them, read Ilan Papez, who's an Israeli a Jewish professor, uh, you know, historian, wrote The Ethnic Cleansing of Palestine. Read Rashid Khalid's book, right? The uh, Iron Gate. Iron Iron, uh, yeah, Iron Cage. There are many books that talk about this, except for the U.S. government and others. They just totally ignore it and take the Israeli narrative. 
Even they, in many cases, just including the media, they don't even mention the word Palestinians. A lot of, you know, they say, no, they say Arabs, Arabs. And, you know, like as if they descended. They don't talk about the founders of Israel who all came from Poland, Russia, Lithuania, Ukraine, and so forth. So really the questions for you, I mean, it's very simple. I mean, if we look at these recent events, when hundreds of allies of Netanyahu and all these Kahanis marched uh, through the streets of Jerusalem, chanting death to the Arabs? Did the U.S. government respond by saying Palestinians have the right to defend themselves? They, they didn't, Jamal, and that's the hypocrisy of U.S. foreign policy. That's the hypocrisy of Joe Biden. That's the hypocrisy of the previous administration. And that's the hypocrisy of every administration since 1948, Jamal. That so another the, question. When they stormed Al-Aqsa Mosque during the final days of the of holy Ramadan. month of Ramadan, spraying worshippers, uh, you know, with uh, stinky water uh, and, and shooting at them rubber-coated steel bullets, steel gas. Nothing. Uh, uh, whatever those uh, flash grenades. Flash bombs, right. Uh, and, you know, hundreds were hospitals. Did the U.S. government respond by saying Palestinians have the right to self-defense? No, they didn't, Jamal. And let's remind our listeners, this this did this did start in 1948, was extended in 1967, up through to where we are now. But the immediacy of what's happening right now is this aggressive ethnic cleansing of Palestinians in Jerusalem, an attempt to remove six Palestinian families forcibly from their homes in the Sheikh Jarrah area of Jerusalem. And the inability of the United States and the international community to stop this ethnic cleansing, to stop the terrorism that Israeli military and Israeli citizens and Israeli civilians are engaging with right now to ethnically cleanse Palestinians. You never hear Joe Biden say anything. You never hear Chuck Schumer say anything. You never hear Nancy Pelosi say anything. And of course, the Republicans are They don't are even have anything. the decency to mourn the death of the children. That's right. They don't Jamal. have the decency. Now, as we're talking, I told you, we, the number probably it, by the end of the probably day would be like people dead, you know? Yeah, but, you know, you saw the pictures as I did, Jamal. The Israeli-American-made F-16s were dropping bombs on apartment complexes in one of the most densely populated areas of the world in the Gaza Strip. When you drop a 1,000-pound or 2,000-pound bomb on an apartment complex in the middle of Gaza, you're going to kill lots of people, including women and children. And nothing about U.S.-made weapons being used to kill innocent civilians, Jamal. No, and, and, and we shouldn't just put all the blame on Biden, although, although he was part of um, also the Obama administration. This has been the standard thing, this lexicon no, but, in the oh, American oh, but, language. Sure, but Biden happened. had an opportunity, Jamal. Listen, he came in on a more progressive platform. There are progressive elements within the Democratic Party that got him elected. There's the idea he's the new FDR. We're going to have more progressive politics. And he had the audacity to say that Israel has the right to defend himself. Being By the silent. way, this is what the same statement Obama said when Israeli forces killed 2,200 Palestinian civilians, including 500 children, during 2014 invasion of Gaza. I mean, this is, I, I've, I've looked it up, and this is what Obama 
actually what he what that's he said. right and uh, this I is mean, the legacy this is the obama biden legacy jamal and um i i keep asking this question every time these atrocities occur these acts of terrorism by the israeli apartheid regime happen what does the international community expect from palestinians do they expect us and palestinians in general do they expect Palestinians to accept being ethnically cleansed and just be slaughtered like this? Where Where is the uh, humanity in people's ability to stop this ethnic cleansing and these killings, Jamal? I don't understand. Is, is the international community, and we're talking in a big umbrella that includes the United States and all the members of the Security Council, are they part of the United Nations? Is that is that a question? Uh, and we, we know right. the answer. It's yes. Okay. So the United Nations and international law is very clear about armed struggle for peoples who seek self-determination under colonial and foreign domination. And this, by the way, at the United Nations Resolution 37-43, which was basically reaffirmed in December of 1982, it says reaffirms the legitimacy of the struggle of peoples for independence, territorial integrity, national unity, and liberation from colonial and foreign domination and foreign occupation by all available means, including armed struggle. Except well, for the Palestinians, Except apparently. for Palestinians. And Jamal, the fact that they're trying to lynch Palestinians, I mean, we talk about Israeli apartheid. We talk about the connection between the, the arc of slavery in this country to where African Americans are right now and the lynchings that occurred against African Americans, you know, the thousands of African Americans that were lynched as part of the struggle for you know, equality and equal rights and, you know, to throw the yoke of slavery off their shoulders. And African Americans are still struggling, but would you ever imagine that we would be talking about lynchings in 2021 with Israeli uh, armed right-wing extremist gangs looking to lynch Palestinians who are also citizens of, of their so-called country? Well, also citizens, as you said, in the United States, the George Floyds and his likes were also publicly lynched in broad daylight. I That's mean, right. if we have seen this and we saw it, uh, the entire world actually have seen this. You know, I say that's the parallel. That's that's really that's what, what's happening. What's happening? So, in, if you're willing to defend the rights of African Americans to not be lynched in their own country, then you have to be against the lynchings that are occurring among Israeli right wing extremists who are trying to lynch Palestinians you know, in 1948 in the West Bank and this uh, militarized lynching, if you will, that's occurring by the Israeli military that's going on in Gaza. We will keep reporting on this, Jamal. This is not going to go away anytime soon. You've been listening to Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco, 89.5 FM. Go to our website, arabtalkradio.com to download the latest episodes and we will talk to you next week. We'll see you next week.